Jesus. He was born and he became this like prophet for eventually what would become Christianity. And then at the age of 32, he died on the cross and it's like three days later he was resurrected. I don't have an opinion on Jesus. I believe that religion was just created to control the masses, really. Jesus is the, our Lord and Savior that died on the cross for us for our sins. Jesus is a uh, person that existed that continues to enrich the lives of people every day. Jesus is God's son and he was sent to save our sins. I think he is a pretty cool guy. He had a, a peaceful philosophy. I think he's misinterpreted by a lot of people. He's the savior of this world. I don't know, because I don't really believe in him, so I don't really think anything of him. Uh, I mean, he could have been a real person. I mean, I'm sure he was. I mean, I'm sure he was just, you know, good at what he did or something. I feel that Jesus is a modern day scapegoat. Jesus is God, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just learned that. Uh, Jesus was a man, from what I figure. Who is Jesus? He was a dude, lived back in the day. Pretty awesome, he had a beard. He was just kind of a guy with a really unique, positive message as that kind of gave a lot of people a lot of hope. He probably existed, but I don't believe that he was the son of God or anything. He died on the cross for us and uh, saved us and rose again from the dead. I wanted to sound smart, but... <laughs>Who is Jesus? That simple question has been the subject of untold debates, discussions, articles, and books for centuries. As you saw from the video clip, there's no shortage of opinions of who Jesus was. I mean, opinions range everywhere from he was the son of God to he was a good teacher, he was a prophet, a miracle worker, a revolutionary. And some even doubt as to whether or not he was even a real person. Although, to that I would say, anyone who denies that Jesus, or even questions that Jesus was a real person who actually lived, has never looked at the abundance of historical evidence, both in the Bible and without or outside of the Bible. So, today we're going to start a new series uh, to answer the question, who is Jesus? And rather than go by the opinions of those who never, uh, who have never studied or known Jesus, we're going to go straight to the most reliable source. We are going to look at the writings of the one who was the closest to him here on earth. He was called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, one who was not only one of the twelve apostles uh, that Jesus chose to, to train and send out as an extension of his ministry, but he was, of those 12, he was one of Jesus' um, inner circle of three. Uh, Peter, James, and John was their, the, the inner circle. Um, he was the one who used to, as they would eat meals, they would recline at a table and he would be reclining or next to Jesus reclining on him. Um, he was one to whom, of, uh, of all the others, Jesus said to this apostle, said, you take care of my mother now that I'm, now that I'm going. He, he entrusted the care of his mother uh, as he was dying on the cross. He entrusted the care of his own mother to this disciple. And of course, we're talking about the apostle John, the author of the fourth gospel of the book of Revelation and the epistles which bear his name. 
Before we go much further, I want to turn toward, uh, to, toward the end of John's gospel because toward the end of John's gospel, he tells us why he wrote the gospel. And John says that he wrote it with a twofold purpose in mind. So let's read. In John 20, verses 30 and 31, I'm reading from the ESV today. He says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we see he has a twofold purpose in writing, that we would believe who Jesus is. Not just a few things about him, but we would believe the truth of who Jesus is and that in through believing we would have uh, life in him. We would have life in his name. That's his purpose for writing, that we would know the truth about Jesus and therefore have life in his name. So. Now we're going to turn back and to the beginning of the gospel, and we're going to see that John hits his purpose head on right off the bat. All four of the gospels are very clear about who Jesus is. There's no mistaking it as you read through them. But John, he hits it right out of the gate. Let's read John 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not, without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There are two things in this chapter that John makes very clear about Jesus. He wants there to be no doubt. And the first thing is, he hits it right off the bat, Jesus is God. He's God. John says that the Word existed in the beginning. The word beginning there is not referring to when the world was created. It's not referring to any specific point in time. It's referring to a timeless eternity, uh, a timeless eternity in the, in, in the past. It's, 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 I've heard it called the forever past. In the forever past, you see, there was never a time when the Word did not exist. He existed in the forever past, and He was with God. And then John says, not only was he with God, John says the Word was God. So the Word was both with God and is God. And, and that's crucial for understanding who uh, 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 John says that Jesus is. And he says that everything that has ever been created was created through him. And then there's an interlude in the chapter where he talks a little bit about John the Baptist coming on the scene and, and that. And then comes the second key point, starting in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then verse 16, for from his fullness we have, we have all received 
grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So here's the second thing that John wants us to see. First, he says this Jesus is God. The Word is God. And then he tells us here in this verse, Jesus is man. Those are the two key points he wants us to see right off the bat. Jesus is God and Jesus is man. He says the Word, who we already saw is God, became flesh and dwelt among us. He's speaking about Jesus, who existed in heaven before all time as the Word, who was with God in the forever past. And he not only was he with God, but he was God. And now he has come to earth. The Word has come to earth and become flesh in Jesus. He entered into our humanity, not in some symbolic way, but by actually becoming flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Theologians call this the incarnation, God in flesh. And, and it says he dwelt among us. The word dwelt actually means, it's, it's a word to, to pitch a tent or to dwell temporarily. While Jesus lived on this earth, he temporarily subjected himself to all the limitations that every single human being lives under. He just subjected himself to only doing what the Father told him to do. He didn't go around and, and just say, okay, as God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. He only did what the Father told him to do. He wasn't born into a superhuman body. He was born as a baby, and as Luke tells us in his gospel, had to grow in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man, the same way each one of us has to grow. The miracles he did, he, he, they were not done through his own power. They were done through the power of the Holy Spirit who descended on him at his baptism. So he subjected himself temporarily while he was on this earth to the limitations of mankind. And this is huge. It's huge. It's, and it's so important that John, the disciple who is the closest to Jesus and who is writing that we may really know Jesus, puts it at the very beginning, the very opening of his gospel. He's writing that we may know Jesus, so he says, here's who Jesus is. He's fully God, and he is fully man. That's who he is. And then, then he tells us a little bit about what he's like. He says Jesus is full of grace and truth. And that's key, both of those. He's full of grace and truth, not judgment and opinion, but grace and truth. The implications are huge. God became man. He entered into our humanity and experienced life as a human being. He experienced life as you and I experience it. He knows what it's like to get tired. He knows what it feels like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be tempted, to be misunderstood, lied about. He has felt the sting of betrayal and abandonment, 
The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.15, this high priest of ours, speaking of Jesus, this high priest of ours who, who uh, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do. And yet he did not sin. He experienced all of that so that when you and I go through it, we can go to him for help. He is full of grace. He has compassion on us. He knows what it's like. Being a man himself, he understands our human frailties and weaknesses. But he is also full of truth. There's no falsehood in him. Everything he says and does is truth. And because he's God, well, the thing that that tells us is that he has the right and the ability to tell us how we should live our lives. He is the one who created us. So he is the one that says, this is how life is going to work out best for you. It doesn't matter what man's laws say is right or wrong, what is allowed or disallowed. The one who created us is the one who has the right to tell us this is how I want you to live. This is how you were created to live. This is how you are going to be able to come into the life that I, that I created you to, to, uh, to live. He doesn't put restrictions on us just because he arbitrarily wants to limit us or take away fun or anything else. He doesn't want to, he doesn't just arbitrarily, you know, make rules and regulations and things so that well, I think I'll do this, and yeah, I'm not going to let him do that. And that's ridiculous. He sets us on a path that leads us to fullness of life, and he tells us how we can stay on that path. He knows the heartache and pain and brokenness that lies outside of that path. And quite frankly, he doesn't want to see us go through that because he loves us so much. He doesn't want to see our lives broken and filled with pain and filled with sorrow, filled with heartache. So he says, live like this. And he's speaking truth. He is full of truth. He, after all, he created us. He knows what makes us tick. He knows how life is supposed to be, how life is supposed to work. So looking at Jesus through the eyes of John, we see that John right off the bat says Jesus is fully 100% fully the eternal God. But at the same time, he says Jesus is also 100% fully man. He's a compassionate God who knows what you're going through because he's been there. He's full of grace and truth. He doesn't sacrifice one for the other. You can count on what he says. You can trust what he says because he is full of truth. So the question for you today is this. Are you willing to surrender your life to his truth? That's what it means to say Jesus is Lord. It's saying, Jesus, I recognize who you are. You are Lord. I am not. You are God. I am not. I'm surrendering my life to you. You call the shots. You direct my paths. 
you teach me how to live. I will listen for your voice. I will follow your voice. That's what it means to say Jesus is Lord. To submit your life to his truth. If you're willing to do that today, then pray with me now. Lord, I believe that you are who John said you are. I believe you came to earth fully God and fully man. So lead me in grace. Show me how to surrender to your truth. Not what I think is true. Not what society tells me is true. But your truth. Because you are the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, prepare your heart to receive the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. As we plan on spending the next several weeks in the Gospel of John, I'd like to encourage you to check out the study of John's Gospel uh, by Dr. Tony Evans in the Right Now Media app. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. In Him was life, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. What's destroying people's lives today is that they're depending on human wisdom. There are two answers to every question, God's answer and everybody else's, and everybody else is wrong. You see, sometimes we look for glory based on our time, when God wants us to serve based on his time. Sometimes when Jesus tells us to do something, it won't make sense. It makes sense because of who it came from, not necessarily because you understand it. Many people say, well, I believe in God while they reject Jesus. Can't happen because the Father and Son are intimately and intricately tied to one another. God has a standard and it's non-negotiable and you can't earn it yourself. You have to place your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone. Freedom can be seen in the good news of the gospel. God wants people to be free for heaven, but he also wants them to be delivered from illegitimate bondage on earth. Jesus Christ is in a class by himself. You don't give him excuses. You give him all you got because he's the only one in the universe worthy of all you have. If you have not signed up for an account on uh, on right in right now media uh, yet, I would encourage you to do so. Um, it's a good way to supplement our time in John's Gospel. It's you know he'll cover things I'm not. I may cover things he's not, and so forth. But it's a good way to supplement and become familiar with the Gospel of John. So if you're not already set up with that, 
it's it's really easy it doesn't cost you a thing uh, it's simply text right now VIN to 41411 text right now VIN vineyard excuse me right now vineyard to 41 411. Again, I kind of butchered that, so let me do it again. I do that sometimes. Uh, thank God he's full of grace. Um, text right now, Vineyard, to the number 41411. Is that right? Okay, maybe we should. Um, it's on the screen, so. Um, I already signed up, so I don't have to do this anymore because I've been enjoying it. So it's on the screen. Just look at it on the screen, and you're uh, uh, good to go with that. But I'd encourage you set that up, check it out. A lot of good stuff in there. Um, let's close in worship. <laughs> Who is Jesus? That simple question has been the subject of untold debates, discussions, articles, and books for centuries. As you saw from the video clip, there's no shortage of opinions of who Jesus was. I mean, opinions range everywhere from he was the son of God to he was a good teacher, he was a prophet, a miracle worker, a revolutionary. And some even doubt as to whether or not he was even a real person. Although to that I would say anyone who denies that Jesus or even questions that Jesus was a real person who actually lived has never looked at the abundance of historical evidence both in the Bible and without or outside of the Bible. So today we're going to start a new series uh, to answer the question, who is Jesus? And rather than go by the opinions of those who never uh, who have never studied or known Jesus, we're going to go straight to the most reliable source. We are going to look at the writings of the one who was the closest to him here on earth. He was called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, one who was not only one of the twelve apostles uh, that Jesus chose to, to train and send out as an extension of his ministry, but he was, of those twelve, he was one of Jesus' um, inner circle of three. Uh, Peter, James, and John was the, the, the inner circle. Um, he was the one who used to, as they would eat meals, they would recline at a table and he would be reclining or next to Jesus reclining on him. Um, he was one to whom of, uh, of all the others, Jesus said to this apostle, said, you take care of my mother now that I'm, now that I'm going. He, he entrusted the care of his mother. Uh, as he was dying on the cross, he entrusted the care of his own mother to this disciple. And of course, we're talking about the Apostle John, the author of the fourth gospel of the book of Revelation and the epistles which bear his name. Before we go much further, I want to turn toward, uh, to, toward the end of John's gospel because toward the end of John's gospel, he tells us why he wrote the gospel. And John says that he wrote it with a twofold purpose in mind. So let's read. In John 20, verses 30 and 31, I'm reading from the ESV today. He says this, 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we see he has a twofold purpose in writing, that we would believe who Jesus is. Not just a few things about him, but we would believe the truth of who Jesus is and that in through believing we would have uh, life in him. We would have life in his name. That's his purpose for writing, that we would know the truth about Jesus and therefore have life in his name. So now we're going to turn back and to the beginning of the gospel and we're going to see that John hits his purpose head on right off the bat. All four of the Gospels are very clear about who Jesus is. There's no mistaking it as you read through them. But John, he hits it right out of the gate. Let's read John 1 verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not, without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There are two things in this chapter that... John makes very clear about Jesus. He wants there to be no doubt. And the first thing is, he hits it right off the bat, Jesus is God. He's God. John says that the Word existed in the beginning. The word beginning there is not referring to when the world was created. It's not referring to any specific point in time. It's referring to a timeless eternity, uh, a timeless eternity in the, in, in the past. It's, 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 I've heard it called the forever past. In the forever past, you see, there was never a time when the Word did not exist. He existed in the forever past, and he was with God. And then John says, not only was he with God, John says the Word was God. So the Word was both with God and is God. And, and that's crucial for understanding who uh, uh, John says that Jesus is. And he says that everything that has ever been created was created through him. And then there's an interlude in the chapter where he talks a little bit about John the Baptist coming on the scene and, and that. And then comes the second key point starting in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then verse 16, For from His fullness we have, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So here's the second thing that John wants us to see. First, he says this Jesus is God. The Word is God. And then 
He tells us here in this verse, Jesus is man. Those are the two key points he wants us to see right off the bat. Jesus is God and Jesus is man. He says the word who we already saw is God became flesh and dwelt among us. He's speaking about Jesus who existed in heaven before all time as the word who was with God in the forever past. And he not only was he with God, but he was God. And now he has come to earth. The word has come to earth and become flesh in Jesus. He entered into our humanity, not in some symbolic way, but by actually becoming flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Theologians call this the incarnation, God in flesh. And, and it says he dwelt among us. The word dwelt actually means, it's, it's a word to, to pitch a tent or to dwell temporarily. While Jesus lived on this earth, he temporarily subjected himself to all the limitations that every single human being lives under. He just subjected himself to only doing what the Father told him to do. He didn't go around and, and just say, okay, as God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. He only did what the Father told him to do. He wasn't born into a superhuman body. He was born as a baby. And as Luke tells us in his gospel, had to grow in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man the same way each one of us has to grow. The miracles he did, he, he, they were not done through his own power. They were done through the power of the Holy Spirit who descended on him at his baptism. So he subjected himself temporarily while he was on this earth to the limitations of mankind. And this is huge. It's huge. It's, and it's so important that John, the disciple who is the closest to Jesus and who is writing that we may really know Jesus, puts it at the very beginning, the very opening of his gospel. He's writing that we may know Jesus, so he says, here's who Jesus is. He's fully God and he is fully man. That's who he is. And then, then he tells us a little bit about what he's like. He says Jesus is full of grace and truth, and that's key, both of those. He's full of grace and truth, not judgment and opinion, but grace and truth. The implications are huge. God became man. He entered into our humanity and experienced life as a human being. He experienced life as you and I experience it. He knows what it's like to get tired. He knows what it feels like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be tempted, to be misunderstood, lied about. He has felt the sting of betrayal and abandonment. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.15, this high priest of ours, speaking of Jesus, this high priest of ours who, who uh, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, and yet he did not sin. He experienced all of that so that when you and I go through it, we can go to him for help. He is 
full of grace. He has compassion on us. He knows what it's like. Being a man himself, he understands our human frailties and weaknesses. But he is also full of truth. There's no falsehood in him. Everything he says and does is truth. And because he's God, well, the thing that that tells us is that he has the right and the ability to tell us how we should live our lives. He is the one who created us. So he is the one that says, this is how life is going to work out best for you. Doesn't matter what man's laws say is right or wrong, what is allowed or disallowed. The one who created us is the one who has the right to tell us, this is how I want you to live. This is how you were created to live. This is how you are going to be able to come into the life that I, that I created you to, to, uh, to live. He doesn't put restrictions on us just because he arbitrarily wants to limit us or take away fun or anything else. He doesn't want to, he doesn't just arbitrarily, you know, make rules and regulations and things so that, well, I think I'll do this and yeah, I'm not going to let him do that. And that's ridiculous. He sets us on a path that leads us to fullness of life and he tells us how we can stay on that path. He knows the heartache and pain and brokenness that that lies outside of that path. And quite frankly, he doesn't want to see us go through that because he loves us so much. He doesn't want to see our lives broken and filled with pain and filled with sorrow, filled with heartache. So he says, live like this. And he's speaking truth. He is full of truth. After all, he created us. He knows what makes us tick. He knows how life is supposed to be, how life is supposed to work. So looking at Jesus through the eyes of John, we see that John right off the bat says Jesus is fully, 100% fully the eternal God. But at the same time, he says Jesus is also 100% fully man. He's a compassionate God who knows what you're going through because he's been there. He's full of grace and truth. He doesn't sacrifice one for the other. You can count on what he says. You can trust what he says because he is full of truth. So the question for you today is this. Are you willing to surrender your life to his truth? That's what it means to say Jesus is Lord. It's saying, Jesus, I recognize who you are. You are Lord. I am not. You are God. I am not. I'm surrendering my life to you. You call the shots. You direct my paths. You teach me how to live. I will listen for your voice. I will follow your voice. That's what it means to say Jesus is Lord. To submit your life to his truth. If you're willing to do that today, then pray with me now. Lord, 
I believe that you are who John said you are. I believe you came to earth fully God and fully man. So lead me in grace. Show me how to surrender to your truth. Not what I think is true. Not what society tells me is true. But your truth. Because you are the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, prepare your heart to receive the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. As we plan on spending the next several weeks in the Gospel of John, I'd like to encourage you to check out the study of John's Gospel uh, by Dr. Tony Evans in the Right Now Media app. And if you have not signed up for an account on, uh, on, in Right Now Media uh, yet, I would encourage you to do so. Um, it's a good way to supplement our time in John's Gospel. It's, you know, he'll cover things I'm not, I may cover things he's not, and so forth. But it's a good way to supplement and become familiar with the Gospel of John. So if you're not already set up with that, it's, it's really easy. It doesn't cost you a thing. Uh, it's simply text right now, V-I-N, to 41411. Text right now, VIN, Vineyard, excuse me, right now, Vineyard to 41411. Again, I kind of butchered that, so let me do it again. I do that sometimes. Uh, thank God he's full of grace. Um, text right now, Vineyard to the number 41411. Is that right? Okay, maybe we should, um, it's on the screen, so um, I already signed up, so I don't have to do this anymore, because I've been enjoying it. So it's on the screen, just look at it on the screen, and you're uh, uh, good to go with that. But I'd encourage you, set that up, check it out, a lot of good stuff in there. Um, let's close in worship.